think about when you create something that nothing will be perfect the first time you do it. And that was a big learning for me, like just accept to do things which are not perfect, just do it, get it down, get it out and try it out. Because I think that that's how you can actually on the long term reach perfection. But if you wait that everything is perfect, just try things, you will never get the feedback you need to actually get, get moving. Developing a business is like raising a child. It is a blissful experience with all the sleepless nights and moment of joy. Welcome to the Business Developer Podcast with Sujay, a source of inspiration for business developers. By listening to this podcast, you may gain some ideas, inspirations or food for thought towards your own journey of developing your business successfully, now or in the near future. It is heartening for me to know that many of you liked the previous episode with Ellen Bergman wherein she talked about the opportunities and roadblocks in the ongoing move from linear to circular economy. And we discussed how business developers could leverage upon those. In today's episode, we shall hear the story of a business developer in her first year of developing her business. She started solo, found her co-founder on the way, and now they are together on an exciting journey in an equally exciting domain in the present times. Let us all get inspired by our guest Sophie Oba, co-founder and CEO of Yellow. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest Sophie Oba. Hello Sophie, welcome to the Business Developer Podcast. Thanks for taking our time to join this episode. Hi Sujay, thanks very much for having me. Welcome Sophie. Objective of this podcast is to make a difference in the life of those who are working hard to develop their business who could get some inspiration from this content along their journey of developing their business. Sounds good. To get started, if you can help our listeners learn about yourself. Yeah, of course. So I'm French. I've been studying in France business. I started my career working um, in Paris at a company who was operating large shopping centers. And during that experience, I got the opportunity to actually be sent as an expat in Stockholm. So that's where I've been living now for the past four years. And I would say that retail has been a bit the red line of my professional life because during my studies, I've been working in um, FMCG at L'Oréal, then in travel retail. And now I'm actually launching my own business, which is targeting online retailers. Wow, that's cool. What exactly with the online retailers? Online retailers, whatever system they use to build their online store, they don't have the proper tool to manage everything which happened after the customer has actually checked out. We realized that there was a lot of friction on the process after the customer has actually purchased the product and especially when they want to return the product. And we also understood that retailers don't have the right processes in place to process those returns and they don't manage properly the customer relationship. We felt it was a big gap on the market and a big opportunity to both like help retailers to streamline their processes to better and drive loyalty uh, with their customers. Okay. Was starting up one of your goals when you moved to Stockholm or it just happened? No, so I mean, actually, since I graduated from business school, I had in mind that at some point I would like to start my own business. I just felt I was not completely ready then. And I felt having an experience in an industry which was still, um, I was very much interested in, which was retail, would give me some competences to then be ready to start something later on. And then I moved to Stockholm. And when I came here, actually, I felt that not being in my home country it was harder to find someone to build a company with, and especially someone who would have complementary skills. Because usually 
you always hang out with your university friends. So you have like, in my case, I have a lot of uh, friends in the business, not really in the tech. And then that's when I actually found out about a program called Antler here in, in Stockholm. So Antler is an early stage VC and what they call themselves a generator of startups. So the entire concept is that they actually help you find a co-founder, validate a business idea, and then get a first investment from them. So you've met your co-founder through this startup accelerator. Exactly. So that's how actually the entire story started one year ago, actually. Okay. Quite much you have achieved in one year. So tell us, what are the other potential benefits new business developers could expect to receive from a startup accelerator? And along with that, if they join, what are the good practices they should follow to get the best benefit out of any startup accelerator? Yes, I think that one key thing to keep in mind is to be extremely clear about the expectation that you as a founder will have from the accelerator or incubator. Antler is quite specific in the sense that you can actually come in without a business idea and just like the willingness to create something. And then you would meet someone who has complementary skill, maybe like common interests, and then you would start iterating and finding a big problem to solve. And in that case, Antler, I think, is really good at pushing us to actually validate the idea, go out, talk to potential customers, really like not be sitting in an office and brainstorming, but really like testing out the idea in the market already. So I think it's a very good training for that and are really good at pushing us in that direction. And now we actually joined an accelerator just yesterday. We are now at, um, we joined Sting in Stockholm, the Accelerate program, and this is more a program which will focus on helping us actually to grow our company. One, we have like found a first sort of like product market fit. We have a first product. We have now a couple of customers. How to actually develop that company to the next level. One piece of advice that I would have for anyone who wants to like considering applying to an accelerator or incubator is like be very clear about what you expect and then be in the driver's seat. Uh, because I've seen people who are like more, you know, maybe expecting the people from the the coaches or the partner from the incubator accelerator to hold their hands and to tell them what to do and what what they would help them with but you actually have to be the one arresting them chasing them to get what you need so that would be really my take on those two experiences okay that's really fruitful for people who are just starting out at a similar level at you that just have an idea so they walk into an antler kind of an idea generation program and then you found your co-founder there you delve deeper into an idea you took a much larger view of the idea you went out and met potential customers interviewed them so that's that's how you'd help to structure that idea if you're just starting alone like person like you right exactly yeah i mean because there are some a lot of methodology i mean you can of course you need to try out and just do things but there are also like a few things you need to know when you start from scratch how to you know, like use some methodology business canvas things like this that are actually extremely helpful to know uh, and that I would not probably have learned so quickly and get access if, if I would not have joined such a program. Yes, that's why I wanted to bring your story here. So thanks for sharing it because I believe like you, there are a lot many solo business developers, if I can call, who have this idea in mind, who have that burning desire to do something then they are not finding out how to make it happen, right? So your story is certainly an example for others in a similar position like you. And also you moving to a new country with a very different infrastructure or different environment or a different ecosystem from where you were earlier. Yeah, that was another year of challenge. (laughs) Yeah. 
Sure. So now let's move to your business idea and story. You were talking about the returns part that how will you help reduce the friction after the post purchase. But how big is this uh, market? What kind of opportunity you see? And why did you then actually focus to take it forward along with your co-founder? Yeah, of course. I mean, we see today with the COVID-19 pandemic that there is a big uh, shift from physical retail to online retail. It's a big market. It's increasing. It has been like increasing tremendously the last like four, four, four or five months. But we see that it's a market which is becoming more and more competitive. So everyone is trying to get online. It's easier than ever to just set up a shop in a few clicks with Shopify. You have like a lot of uh, super easy to use tools. So there is more and more competition. And at the same time, acquisition cost has been more and more in, in expensive over time. So for a brand to acquire a customer, it's extremely expensive. So then they should really capitalize on actually the loyalty to be profitable long time. So we see that the, everything which is towards customer experience, loyalty, how to actually make people come back and buy again, build some sort of like brand connection with the customer will become more and more crucial for brands to actually survive and be profitable. Right. So this is really the space that we are investigating and that we are placing our product in because we see that there are a lot of tools which help online retailers to deliver super good customer experience once you are browsing on their website, a lot of like very good and super smart checkout solution. But once you have actually checked out, the retailer lose some sort of control on the customer experience with the delivery, with the returns. And this is where we actually think there is a strong opportunity for retailers to build loyalty. Yep. And one of the biggest friction points is obviously when you want to return something and then you have paper slips and you don't know when your refund is coming. You have to call customer service. Customer service doesn't know where your parcel is and you're extremely frustrated. Even worse, you got the wrong pair of shoes. You just want to get the right size and it's not coming. And this is where we actually enter in, into the picture and where we actually, with our digital process, help the retailers to have the right tool to deliver a very good customer experience, whatever happens after purchase. Yeah, that's exciting. I call it, you know, the dark side of retailing, the bright side of retailing where everybody's focused on the sunny side is, as you said, the pre-purchase side, right? And there's a lot of activity, customer experience, loyalty programs there. I think you pointed out right. I personally feel so. As with more online purchases, the returns becomes a critical part and you have to continue that part of the customer experience to close the loop with the customers. Exactly. Yeah. I personally feel that's a huge potential out there and there may not be solutions right now who could provide a scalable solution, I feel, right? Yeah. I mean, that's also something that we really focus on in terms of like technology and I'm not a tech expert here, but I can say that when we develop the product, we really try to keep it as simple as possible in terms of integration to be able to scale to different type of platforms and systems and also the implementation is quite quick and easy for retailers to implement our solution so they can actually can be a project that can be live in like one two months because those like small retailers they don't want to spend like you know six months on, on such projects so we can actually show results quite quickly by the way, what's the name of your company? We haven't asked that question yet. Yeah. So our company is called Yalo. Okay. What does it stand for? Is there some meaning behind it? Uh, no, to be honest, so we were in this incubator and we really had to find a name. And we, we really, I mean, I found that name late evening at 10 p.m. And that came after actually our first sort of like branding color was yellow, yellow the color. Okay. And we started playing with 
spelling. And then we actually felt like, you know, we want to bring some excitement after purchase. And like, it's like sort of like the yay, you would say like, oh, yay, finally, I have like a great experience. And then it would be like, the storyteller would say like, oh, that's interesting. We can do something more about it. So yeah, that's like the explanation sort of. Yeah, that that's really cool. I like it. I like yellow is my favorite color, but this yay aspect comes in and that's cool. So to help our listeners who are in a similar phase, like you started just with the product in the first year of journey or someone who's wanting to enter their first year of journey in the first year, what are the key areas or aspect of developing a business that you're focused on? Because there's so much to do. You have the product, you have the marketing, you have the brand reaching out to customers. Can you help break that down for our listeners? How did you approach that situation? What came first? What did you prioritize? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously those um, different aspects that you mentioned will be like branding, marketing, selling. It would depend, of course, of the product and on the on the market. In our case, I think that's something important that we have to think about when you create something that nothing will be perfect the first time you do it. And that was a big learning for me, like just accept to do things which are not perfect. Just do it, get it down, get it out and try it out. Because I think that that's how you can actually on the long term reach perfection. But if you wait that everything is perfect to just try things, you will never get the feedback you need to actually get get moving. And that's something I learned when we just like started and developed our first uh, MVP product. But I think it's actually true for everything. The first version of the website we did was far from perfect. We are the second version and it's still not perfect, but soon we will get a third version. In our case, I think it's also depending on the founder background. I have some sort of interest and familiarity with marketing. I know how branding is important, especially in our case, we target retailers which are very aware of their brand. Be relevant for them, and for so that they understand that we understand them. We also need to put effort in our running. Uh, so that's something that we spend some time on. But I would say, like the main focus should be like get a first product out, try to get some customer to try it, to get some feedback, to iterate and and sell it. And reaching out to the customers, uh, what channels or what modes that you use to reach out to your early customers? And many companies might be a little bit risk averse, not trying to put their faith on a startup. How did you handle those discussions or those situations? Yeah, this is a very good question. And I mean, it's, honestly, it's very hard. It's very hard to build credibility when you don't have a single line of code and you're trying to sell a product, you know, but it's also a matter of person. I mean, our first customer is not someone that we knew or we got any sort of recommendation. I just met with them and they sort of like believed in the product and believed in the vision and believed in us. And they just went with it and the second customer we got a sort of a warm intro to the um, ceo of the company but then the person we sold the product to also believed in our vision and she was very interested in what we did so i think it's also a matter of maybe a bit of luck and being really reach out to as many people as you can Uh, and at the beginning it's not something which is really scalable but i did a lot of uh, really personal linkedin notes you know try to talk to someone more at a personal level than trying to sell something ask for help uh, to anyone you have in your network to get you some intro and then as you get your initial customers uh, they might come with many of their requirements and some might be very specific how do you make a judgment or decide that these requirements should be part of your product or solution in the first phase or should not be part of it? 
Yeah, it's it's a very good question because of course you you want to make your first customer happy and you cherish them. So that's something that we tend to of course try to focus on. But at the same time, we need to be more like medium term and long term oriented in terms of product roadmap. So we've been quite clear when our first customer asks us some feature which required more integration with the platform they're using, which is not really broadly used, so that we could not really scale to any other customer. And we were quite frank and open, and we just said it. And I mean, it's it's not because we don't have that feature that they, they will not use our product anymore, neither. Otherwise, they would not have signed up in the first place. So I think it's also like about transparency and, and trying to find some compromises. And also sometimes, actually, the feedback that they might give to us in the first place, we might think like, no, that's not something we really want to do. But then maybe after actually, you know, talking to two, three other more prospects and getting the same feedback, we are actually... Hmm. maybe that's actually something we should consider in a roadmap, but maybe not exactly as, as they put it. Maybe try to find a way to develop that, but to also be able to use it for other customers. Sometimes they ask for a feature, but what they want is actually what the feature would help them or allow them to do. And maybe there is another way of allowing them to do that. So try to maybe be sometime a bit creative around that. And that can bring actually a lot of value to the company. And during these stages, have you faced a situation or does this thought come to your mind to pace the new customers onboarding so that you do not take on so many new customers that you cannot handle, you spread yourself thin? Have you made such decisions that no, we should only work with these two or three customers right now and develop the product to the next level before onboarding new customers? Or are you open that more customers the merrier because you get more inputs and obviously more revenues? Yeah, we have not honestly faced that situation uh, because of one reason is that when our product was mature enough that we could actually sell it more broadly came the pandemic in March. Okay. So we have not faced that uh, that situation and we might face it now, hopefully yeah. in the fall. That's also why we actually took that time a bit like that slow time to, to define onboarding process so that we can onboard customer faster uh, and in a more like structured way. But of course, it also depends on, you know, which technology they're using. If they're using a technology that one of our existing customers is using, the onboarding for us is extremely quick. But we have not really, we didn't have to do that arbitrage uh, for now. Hopefully you're prepared for that when it comes in. That could be also a judgment time for you as to how to handle that ramp up that you might see, right? Yeah. So I'll move to one of my uh, favorite questions that I ask many of our guests. The context is that, Sophie, you know, as we grow in our career, in our life, we learn and pick up many habits that make us successful in the past. But as we grow and move and want to achieve success in the present and the future, we might realize that we have to unlearn or drop some of those habits which have made us successful in the past. Have you faced such experience in your life till now that you had to go through such a stage where you had to unlearn something to become successful in your present or the future? Yes, completely. And I mean, it's also related to something I actually already talked a bit uh, about in in the podcast earlier is about actually accepting imperfection. I've been a bit, you know, like the good, very good student, always doing things, my homework in time and uh, doing things, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to be perfect before I would actually show something. Right. And then in a startup, you actually very quickly realize that this is not going to work. Okay sit for two years in a room and develop a product and then show it to the customer for the first time. So this is something that was really hard for me at the beginning to sort of accept. And actually, it's just like something which is just vital to to succeed. Yeah. 
Thanks a lot for sharing that. I think that's very kind of you to do that. And you know, I have a philosophy as we say perfection cannot be achieved. That means whatever situation you are is not perfect and can be improved upon. Yeah. Good. So Sophie, we are towards the end of the podcast. Would you like to share some information through this podcast with the market or with your listeners here? Yeah, I mean, as I said, we are now in a, in a growing phase. So our main objective is to get more uh, customers on board. And we are actually actively recruiting our first sales executive to join the company. Wow. So it's, uh, I think it's a very exciting role and uh, it will really help us take the company to the next level. So it's a key hire for us. So if anyone listening uh, to this podcast feels like it's, uh, it can be the dream job, just check out our website. Uh, we have the job ad there and just get in touch. Great. That's good. And this moment you are sharing a job opportunity, I believe that's good for the community also because many people are looking for the jobs. Some have faced this unfortunate situation. It's very kind of you. If someone wants to um, connect with you, Sophie, or uh, take this discussion forward or even talk about this uh, sales executive job position you have, how could listeners reach out to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn and otherwise you can always send an email at sophie at eailo.com. Please feel free to get in touch. Great, Sophie. Thanks a lot for coming to the Business Developer Podcast today. It was a great pleasure talking to you, listening about your journey and wish you all the best for the next phases of the journey. And I would look forward to an opportunity for you when you come back again to this uh, show and tell us about what you have achieved from now till then. Yeah, that would be great. Great, Sophie. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day ahead. You too. Bye. Perfection cannot be achieved. Accepting imperfection is a key character trait of a founder. Whatever situation you are in is not perfect and hence can be improved upon. That philosophy will take you on a continuous improvement journey, which could be key to your continued success as a founder. Hope this episode has helped you to gain ideas, inspirations or food for thought towards developing your business. Do give me a high five if you like this episode. I would also love to hear your feedback and suggestions for improvement. Also, if you'd like to get any of your questions related to developing businesses answered through this podcast, just record your question and email it to me. I would make sure to play your question and get that answered in one of my upcoming episodes. My contact information is provided in the episode notes. That's it for now. See you again in the next episode of the Business Developer Podcast. Stay happy, healthy, curious to learn and keep developing your business. Bye for now.